great Odin's raven. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 37. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? This week we'll be reviewing Ben Affleck's Argo and Martin McDonough's Seven Psychopaths. We'll also be highlighting some Amazon Blu-ray deals. We'll be making our weekly movie predictions. And finally, we'll be going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray releases. Uh, First, let's get things started with some of what we've been watching. I'll kick it off this week. Uh Uh, First, I watched underground the julian assange story this was a made for tv movie about the creator of wikileaks and the interesting thing about this was that it actually played at some of the festivals i think it was tiff where it played and it's better than your typical made for tv movie but it still has those kind of TV movie tropes to it where it's everything seems to be overly dramatic and they have like the dramatic building music and it was it was okay I I didn't know anything about his life or anything so that was interesting and it kind of reminded me of Pirates of Silicon Valley you know with the the one with Noah Wiley and Anthony Michael Hall kind of reminded me of that a little bit but it was okay. Uh, Anthony LaPaglia was in it, playing the detective that was trying to bring him down. Oh. So does it, does it go back and forth? No. It's it's pretty much just, I think he was 19, and I think it just covers pretty much that one year. Oh, okay. It's kind of... I guess maybe his first big, like when he really got into like hacking and he got caught hacking into this, uh, I think it was the CIA's website oh. or not, not their website, their, their network. That'll get you in some trouble. Yeah. He was able to skirt around getting jail time for that, but he got like a hefty fine. Whatever happened to WikiLeaks? Like, I don't hear anyone talk about that. Well, I think it's still around, but I don't know how much you've heard, but what happened was they lost all their ways to make money because they made money through donations. Yeah. And Visa, MasterCard, all the major credit card companies, and PayPal, and pretty much all the payment providers stopped using, like, accepting payments what? through them so they so they couldn't make any they couldn't bring in donations so sure. they're still around but i don't know what the status is i think they're kind of in limbo right now wow. which is ridiculous in fact i think yeah, that's, on that's... on that we are legion the hacktivist documentary they actually talk about wikileaks and the fact that all these credit card because as a result Anonymous went after the credit card providers and PayPal and brought all those sites down. And they brought up a good argument that they showed all these like white supremacist Nazi websites that accept donations. And those are all still running. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just so it's ridiculous. Yeah. So that it was, the movie was interesting. It wasn't 
great. It certainly wasn't like a theater quality film. I'm really not sure why it played in theaters. But if you're interested in this guy, whether you like what he does or hate him or whatever, I don't. I really don't have an opinion on him, but it, it's still kind of an interesting watch. Uh, another interesting watch, I saw Ai Weiwei, Never Sorry. Mm, I want to see this. It's really good. Uh, I always, I like this guy just because with most modern artists, there's this certain aura of pretentiousness about them. Yes. And I find that most, if not all, of his art is not only, it, it's not, it doesn't feel pretentious to me. And if the message is always laid out, like you always know what the message is behind his pieces. And not only do they look amazing, but they always have a good message behind them. And I really like this guy. I think he's a very fascinating person. He's really, he seems really down to earth too. Like he's always on Twitter and doing this stuff. And, and if anything, this movie is a really good uh, thing to show people that claim to hate social media and hate Twitter and stuff like that and think that it's just no substance there because this puts up a good argument for using social media platforms. Well, I think it's more because they like I I hate Twitter, but I think Twitter and stuff like that is good you know, for, like, foreign countries and stuff, because those people use it for, like, all the right reasons. I think it's just mostly, you know, Americans and some other countries, just stupid people that use yeah. fucking Twitter for nothing. Yeah, but you have to take the good with yeah, the bad. Yeah, I, I, I mean, exactly. It's any kind of platform like that, you're going to have both sides, and it's just kind of something you, you deal with. And I, I, I mean, we use Twitter at Film Pulse, and I don't use it probably as much as as I should. But it's I don't have a problem with it. I'm not a diehard Twitter guy. I know Daniel, our contributor, Daniel's always on Twitter. But you know, getting back to the movie, it's great. If you don't know anything about this guy, he's a very infamous, I guess you could say, infamous Chinese artist. He did the Beijing Olympics, the crazy sculpture type things at the Beijing Olympics. And that's. I remember for a while there that when I would listen to NPR on my way to work, it was nothing but Ai Weiwei for like two solid weeks. That's all he's always. Yeah, because he's always stirring up controversy, he's always getting in trouble. He, in in the documentary, he gets arrested and they end up, they can't film anymore after it because he gets thrown in jail for no reason, just for doing what he does. And it's, it's really interesting. I, I like these artists that are kind of like activists as well, and I would highly recommend checking that one out. Definitely. I also saw To Roam With Love the newest Woody Allen movie. Finally got to see that. And it was a disappointment. Uh-huh. A severe disappointment. I mean, it has a great cast. You'd think that 
I was intrigued by the trailers. I thought the trailers made it look good. I like the idea of Jesse Eisenberg kind of playing the Woody Allen type character. Yes, he's the perfect Woody Allen character. Unfortunately, he, along with pretty much every other actor in this movie, are severely underutilized. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of storylines that are happening all at once, and they don't really converge like how you would imagine this type of story. You know, like, um, you know, any of these types of movies that have several love stories that are happening at once. You think at some point the storylines kind of merge, but they don't. And it was just kind of all over the place. I just, I couldn't get down with it. Some of it was kind of fun, but for the most part, I found it to be slightly boring. Hmm. I was always... I was intrigued by the Roberto Benigni storyline. I didn't get to see it, this, but that I yeah. love the idea of that. <laughs> his was his was interesting. I, I did like his, but they didn't. They just don't go anywhere with it. Mm. It just and that's the problem of all of them. They just don't really go anywhere with. It. That's and disappointing. Yeah, that one I can't recommend. And then finally, uh, I saw Alps. Alps. Yes. Yes. The new um, Greek film from the same writer-director that did Dog Tooth. Uh, what is his name? Georgios Lanthimos. Yeah. Uh, I liked this. I liked it quite a bit. It wasn't as good as Dog Tooth, but I think that that's kind of an unfair comparison. I, I don't... I really try not to compare movies of the same writer director, you know, like their previous films. Yeah. But I feel like, cause I mean, it's a completely different movie. And and I did read several reviews on Alps and everybody compares it to dog tooth. And I, I think that that's really unfair, but after you see the movie, you'll realize that it's impossible not to compare it to dog tooth because it's at least one of the same actors. Um, very very similar style and tone where it's that kind of odd really weird kind of story that's happening and just randomly odd things happen in the movie and i liked the premise i mean the premise is it's this group of people that their job is to pretend to be dead people for the families of recently deceased uh, that in and of itself is intriguing and i i liked the movie i really liked it but it, it just wasn't dog tooth it just there's just something not there mm-hmm. the i guess the message was sort of um not very clear like what they were trying to tell you in this in this movie yeah but overall, I still enjoyed it. And if you're a fan of movies like Dogtooth or Attenberg, I highly recommend checking out Alps. I mean, there's definitely one thing to be said about him, and his ideas are original. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And his uh, f- the, the camera work, the cinematography is pretty much on point with Attenberg and Dogtooth. Looks very similar. Uh, the only the biggest difference between Alps and Dogtooth is that in Dogtooth it's pretty much all in that one house or in the backyard. You know, yeah. it's all kind of one setting. 
With Alps, they there are more settings, and it is a more open movie, and it's a more open-ended movie as well. Gotcha. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or not. Uh, the performances were great, but again, I just felt like there was something missing from it. I didn't walk away with my jaw on the floor like when I saw Dogtooth. Gotcha. Yep. That's all I got. That's all you got. That's that's it. All right. I guess it's my turn. We've talked about this. It is October. So this is when I go into, I want to watch a ton of horror movies. I'm so excited for you, too. Yeah. I, which is, I mean, I'm not a big horror movie guy, which, I mean, it's pretty obvious that you are. Mm-hmm. So this is your month. This yeah. is where you try and win me over. <laughs> and, well, the first one that I started with was Insidious. Now, I remember hearing good things about this movie when it first came out. So me and my wife are like, yeah, we'll, we'll try this one. This one's supposed to be really good. Uh, and this is directed by the guy that did Saul, right? James, James, James Wan. James Wan, yeah. Yeah. I was with this for like... Almost like the first half of the movie. It was really creepy, had really good atmosphere to it, good feel. And then it just, when they moved to the next house, and they, you know, they had like the paranormal people come in and do run all their tests and everything, it just took a weird turn. And I actually, on like four or five occasions, I actually burst out laughing. <laughs> Like, I tried to hold it back, mm. and then it just came out. Like, the the scene where she's wearing, like, the gas mask thing, mm-hmm. I just lost it for almost that entire scene. I was just laughing. So, based on that, uh, you know, Ryan's Law, this movie was hilarious, which I don't think that that's what they were going for. Unfortunately. No. Well, there was there was some intended humor in the movie, but uh, not that part. Well, I don't know. I don't think the gas mask part was supposed to be funny, but those two um, people, like that, were her assistants. They were supposed to be goofy. Yeah, and they were they were pretty funny. The way they would bicker back and forth. The the one guy is the, I believe the writer or co-director of the first saw movie and he was also in the first saw movie oh yeah yeah he is the he's the writer of insidious as well lee wannell but oh my goodness just and when they go into like the the spirit land or whatever the hell it is that nether yeah that was just awful that just looked so terrible and the way it ended too just everything about it Completely well, there's a sequel, it. so maybe maybe the sequel will win you over. There's a sequel? It's not out yet. Oh, Jesus. I don't want to see it. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't like that. I actually liked it quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, I think I gave it like a half a star. You did. <laughs> I saw it in my... I just felt a, a pain in my <laughs> stomach. Don't, don't you hate that now when you get on Letterboxd and you see a movie you enjoy... And you see that someone in your network gave it like one star. Yeah, it's like just uh, right away you're like, oh. I like I don't get because I know that some people get angry 
You know, because we get every t- every now and then when we write a bad review on the site, we'll get people commenting like, you're a fucking idiot. You'll know what you're talking. But I have the complete opposite effect. Like if there's a movie that I love and I mean, oh, I didn't love Insidious. Let me put that out there. I liked it a lot. But if there's a movie that I really like and I see one of my friends or whoever giving it a bad review, I just I feel sad. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh. Because I know that for whatever reason, they just didn't get the same message or whatever yeah. out of it that I did. Yeah, it's a little rough because it is. I'm the same way. It's just like, oh, yeah, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> There's almost like you want vindication. Yeah. Like, I do have good taste. You should like it, too. Oh, well. But uh, another movie. I watched was Mulholland Drive because my wife has never seen this David Lynch classic, which I can't believe is number, what was it again? Like number 29? Yeah, it was like 28 On this, or 29. Yeah. Wow. That surprises me. Well, yeah. As soon as I saw that, I was blown away. We saw, we remember we saw this in the theater. Yeah. Did we see this at the Charles? Yeah. It was, I don't know if it was one of the first movies we saw at the Charles, but definitely saw it there i'm still a big fan of mulholland drive i saw this a couple of years ago yes and big fan um i definitely appreciate it a little little bit more this time around i felt i understood it more the first or more than the first time around but again i started i really don't see how it's i don't i wouldn't call it one of the greatest movies of all time i did i do like what uh david lynch did with this movie you know, completely swoop, like flipping it like halfway through the movie. Yeah. Where you think it's going one way and then all of a sudden like all the characters change and you're like, what, what the fuck? What the hell is going on? It is a mind fuck. <laughs> yeah, which that's what David Lynch does. His movies oh, yeah. are always like completely straightforward for the most part. You know, some weird things here and there. And then, you know, about like the 50% mark or 60%. He just completely flips it, and you're like, "Oh, what, 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 what's going on here?" Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, if you've seen his other movies, and then you're seeing one of his newer ones for the first time or whatever, you, you know it's coming. You're like, "Okay, when's this gonna happen?" Because he does it. He does it in this movie. He does it in Lost Highway. He does it in Blue Velvet, where those are all pretty straightforward mysteries. And then at some point, and he he even does it with Twin Peaks too. Mm-hmm. I mean. And he, but the interesting thing about Twin Peaks is he does it for almost two seasons, and then at the very end of the second season, that's when things go crazy. Yeah, he's just a bizarre man. Have you seen the new season of Louie? No, because he's not. one. Of the, he he's a character on Louie. He's in like three or four. <laughs> yes. He's in, yeah, he's in like three or four episodes. Oh, I love that. It's it's amazing. I love the idea of that. He was actually nominated for an Oscar for this film. His best director. Yeah, I remember because I really wanted... Because the movie itself wasn't nominated for best picture, but he was nominated, and I really wanted him to win, but I knew he wouldn't. Yeah, which I never understood that. I mean, to me, the best picture, best director, it's just an excuse for them to give two awards yeah, you know what I mean. Much. Because uh, if you have the best picture, how are you not the best director? Exactly. Yeah. And I, if you get nominated for best director, how do you not get nominated for best picture? 
Yeah. Usually they go hand in hand. Yeah. That bothers me. I hate you Academy Awards. <laughs> I hate your stupid face. Yeah, and I do want to... I am going to mention the Academy Awards in our Seven Psychopaths review as well. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how much they hate them. How mm-hmm. stupid they are. What else you What else you got? And then I watched the Mothman prophecies. <laughs> the Mothman prophecies. Richard Gere. I'm sort of intrigued by the Mothman. I don't know why, but is this the first time you've seen this? This is the first time I've never seen this movie from 2002. Mark Pellington directed with Richard Gere, Laura Linney. Um, this was my God. Was this a disappointment? <laughs> what the hell was going on here? They show the Mothman like once, and it looks awful when they show him. It just looks ridiculous. See, it's been so many years since I've seen this. I I probably saw it in 2002, and that was it. Like, I don't even remember. I remember, was it the scene when she saw him in the car? Yeah, like, the and it, it, like, was it that flies the, through the car yeah. or whatever. I remember that, yeah. It's just ridiculous looking. I remember the the phone call with the chapstick. Yeah, I thought that those parts to me were creepy. You know, with like the voice and the uh, like the radio interference and the electrical interference and everything, and him predicting stuff. It had a nice creepy feel in those areas, but I don't know. They just it, it was they, sort of all over the place. And it, this is based on a true story too. And I think that they really wanted to hollywood up the real story yeah i mean and i mean they embellished the shit out of the real story yeah i don't know too much about it but it is creepy yeah it's extremely creepy um the only good thing i thought or the best part of it was uh will Patton's was in this film and his performance is like the the guy that you know lives in west virginia and he's sort of the the mothman or injured cold ends up speaking to him to him and making all these prophecies and stuff and they all come true and he just sort of you know of course loses his mind mm-hmm. i think he did a really good job but everyone else was just and the film itself was just all over the place and just not not good just overall not good uh, and then i watched la strada which is on my list of movies that i have to watch before next year um Directed by Fellini from 1954. Uh, This was sad. So depressing. So unbelievably depressing. Uh, It's about this carefree girl who's... She essentially plays like Charlie Chapman. Did I say Chapman? Yes. I was going to wait to see if you picked up on it. Charlie Chaplin. She essentially plays like the tramp character and she's bought from her family. She's bought the guy pays, I think it's like 10,000 lira. And so she goes traveling with him and here he's like a strong man. He's a traveling performer. His, the only thing he does is he puts like a little tiny chain around his chest and then breathes in deeply and breaks the chain. That's his trick. Hmm. And, of course, her job is to, like, cook and clean up after him and uh, play the drums and shit. And it's it's so depressing because he is a terrible, terrible, terrible...
terrible person. Just unbelievably awful to her. And something happens later on in the film that like completely destroys her, where she just cries all the time. And so he just leaves her. Just like they're outside and she falls asleep on the ground and he just drives away. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's supposed to be like a story of like redemption at the end because he finds out something which will ruin the movie if I tell you. But And then he sort of like realizes that, you know, he screwed up and he, you know, he feels terrible and you're supposed to feel for him. And I didn't feel for him because I just thought he was a piece of shit. And I was happy that he was sad at the end. And I hope that after the camera panned away, he died where he was because he was awful, awful person. But I, and then I watched, there was like, it's on Criterion. So there's a Martin Scorsese introduction to the film. So I watched that afterwards and Scorsese's going through this whole thing about, oh, you know, you feel for him, even though he's this terrible person throughout the entire film. And that's the power of the film is you that you even care about this man. And I was like, no, I didn't care for him. Sorry, Scorsese, but I think you're wrong. He's an awful person. And he was drunk at the end where he has this like epiphany. But I'm like, the guy's drunk. I want to see how he feels when he wakes up in the morning. Does he care? Probably not, because he never cared. And I hate hmm. the man. But it was bizarre that there were, the two main actors were American. And this being an Italian film. Being Anthony Quinn and Richard Basehart. But it was a good movie. I mean, I'll give you that. Depressing. If you want to be depressed, watch it. And then I watched a French film. I watched a lot of films this week. Yeah, you did. Yeah, because the Orioles are out of the playoffs. So I'm back to it. Uh, the next film I watched was uh, The Good Time Girls from 1960. It's a Claude Chambrol movie. He's one of the lesser-known uh, French New Wave directors, the biggest ones being, of course, like Godard and stuff. So I watched this film, and it's pretty much just about four women living in Paris and, you know, their lives are pretty shitty because they're women. And, then you know, women have a rough time. So I'm watching this movie. And this is one of those first movies that have seriously surprised the shit out of me. It is, for the most part, just like a slice of life, you know, day in the life. Following these women, there's this motorcycle guy who's like, you know, following this one girl. And... You know, they end up meeting, they go out to dinner, and they're, like, falling in love and everything. And then something just happens, just out of nowhere, that surprises the shit out of you. And just completely changes the entire tone of the film. And then it ends with a woman dancing, just staring into the viewer's eyes. And it's just creepy. Hmm. It was... I've never had a film do that where it just completely flipped on me and took it in a just surprising, completely dark turn. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Hmm. It was like the last four minutes of the movie were just, I couldn't believe what the hell happened. Completely changed the whole thing on me. <laughs> the whole thing got changed. I might have to, I might have to watch this. Yeah. Give my thoughts on it. I mean, it still doesn't make up for the first half of the film, or I shouldn't say the first half, like the first like 95% of it. I mean, 
but it redeemed it a little bit. Enough to me, I gave it, you know, like, I gave it like a three and a half, three, three and a half. It's pretty good, but I'm definitely interested more in Claude Chambrel. So I'm definitely going to be watching more of those, more of his films. And I think he actually just recently passed away as well. I think like last year. That's how I read about him. Or 2010, he passed away. I remember they had like this big thing in Film Comment magazine. Yeah, I'm not. I don't really keep up on the whole French New Wave stuff. So, I do. I don't understand how you can. It's your favorite. You love the French New Wave. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it. I don't really. There's not too many styles of film that I can just say I hate. Hate musicals. Musicals. Fucking yeah. <laughs> musicals. Sons of bitches. Uh, that's it. Those are the films I watched. Besides the two that we're going to talk about later. Didn't you watch House of the Devil? Oh, shit. That's right. I did watch House of the Devil. Ah, see? Damn. It's good to have your list up on my screen. Yeah. I didn't even see that on my list. I even checked it. And I missed uh, that. House this is one This is one that I was that I recommended to you. That's why I was interested in getting your your opinion on it. Because... I loved this movie, and this is Ty West's... Is this his first film? No, no, he did... No, I think it is his first film, because he did Cabin in the Woods... Or Cabin Fever 2 after this, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is his first. Well, he has The Roost and Trigger Man. Are those short films? No, yeah. apparently they're they're full lengths. Hmm. Might have to look into those. But anyway, what did you think of House of the Devil? Ah, I love House of the Devil. This is my type of thing. I like these. I love the look and just the overall feel of the movie. I think he did an amazing job making it. Like, I thought it was an 80s movie. Yeah. Like, the the title cards and everything. Oh, I love how the title came up. When this movie came out, they released it on VHS. Too. Nice. <laughs> that was that was one of the cool things about this movie. Nice. Yeah, I definitely I thoroughly enjoyed this. And I love horror movies where you know, the majority of the film is the the build up, is the mm-hmm. setup, you know, just building that tension and then just giving you everything in like the last 10 minutes. Just like an all out blitz grand finale. I like the old style of that. I don't like these new you know, slasher torture porn where there's just shit like throughout the entire movie. It's just right. one thing after another and they just keep throwing it at you because no one has attention spans anymore. This is what I like. And I loved it. The only thing, the only knock that I have is I didn't like the very final, final scene. Yeah. I think you know how that, the movie ended. Yeah. But, oh man, I loved it. The only thing is, it, I mean, it was somewhat predictable because as soon as she gets there I'm like I pretty much figured out the entire thing even though I mean it's called House of the Devil so you know something's up it's not like I'm a genius or anything well the plot is sort of uh, a traditional horror movie plot and I think that that's that's what he was doing he was just trying to reinvent the classic 80s slasher film in a way and I love how he shows the family but the main character doesn't ever find, find that out yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. And Tom Newman is, he was creepy as shit. <laughs> I love Tom Newman. Yes, I do too. I do too. He's great on uh, Hell on Wheels. 
Elon Wios. He was really good in Synecdoche. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about some Amazon Blu-ray deals. Let's do it. Uh, to get these incredible deals, just head on over to our site at filmpulse.net and either click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or click on the provided links in the show notes. First up, this is for you. We have Hocus Pocus for $14.49. What? Classic Halloween movie right there. Hocus Pocus. One of my favorites. All-time I... <laughs> favorites. I guarantee you I've seen that movie probably 15 times. Wow. Just, I feel like... It was always on TV when we were younger. Yeah. Around Halloween. Like yeah. On ABC Family or whatever. Did, but, I didn't know that the director of that went on to do the high school musicals. Mm-hmm. And he's apparently doing... There's going to be another Dirty Dancing, because why the hell not? Yeah. Great. Why, why, why not? Uh, and then we have Battle Royale, the complete collection. 1684 on this. It's, 1684 for all of them four blu-rays for 1684 so if you if you're a fan of battle royale now is the time to pick that up because it's on sale by a lot yeah and they're remaking that too so yeah well american version awesome i'm not gonna entertain that and then finally we have blue velvet speaking of lynch Mm. This is eight ninety nine on Blu-ray. Nice, eight ninety nine. I think a lot of people argue that it, Blue Velvet, should have been there instead of Mulholland Drive. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I like them equally, but I mean, as far as creeping me out, Blue Velvet oh. easily takes the cake. Oh, and I just everything that Hopper does at the end—it's just nightmarish. Oh. Dennis Hopper's character is one of the creepiest. And Lynch is really good at that, too, because him and Robert Blake's character in Lost Highway oh, God. are two oh. of the creepiest people ever. It's Does... a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have, we'll have to buy that for Shumper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there you have it. Those are three, well, two good deals. <laughs> and <laughs> one, one Halloween family classic. <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and get right into our reviews. Do you want to start with Seven Psychopaths first? Sure. Let's do okay. it. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Seven Psychopaths first. Uh, this is written and directed by Martin McDonough, who is probably most known for In Bruges, which also starred Colin Farrell. Uh, Seven Psychopaths stars Colin Farrell, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, Christopher Walken, Abby Cornish, um, who am I missing? Tom got Waits. Cute, we got, yeah, Tom Waits in there. Kevin Corrigan in there. Yeah, uh, Michael, Michael Pitt and uh, Michael Stuhlbarge at the beginning. But the uh, thing to note is what a weekend for Ivanek. They play oh, Apollo. Yeah. yeah. But he's in both. Yeah, Argo he's in, and Seven Psychos. Yep, he's in both. He's I, I love that guy. He's great in everything he's in. Yeah, uh, and I had no idea he's Slovenian. No, I didn't either. I mean, he had, I knew he had a, an interesting name, but... <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and read the synopsis here. A struggling screenwriter inadvertently becomes entangled in the Los Angeles crime underworld after his oddball friends kidnap a gangster's beloved Shih Tzu. Uh, this... Um, okay, first of all, 
I think we both loved this movie, mm-hmm. right? And this was a surprise to me because, again, I this is the second week in a row I'm having to put my foot in my mouth <laughs> regarding my thoughts on a movie. Last week, I didn't think Frankenweenie was going to be good. And this week, I didn't think Seven Psychopaths was going to be good. And I had a feeling that it was going to be okay just because of the cast. But the I feel like the marketing made this out to be something that it wasn't. Yeah. And I loved this movie. I thought it was just incredible. It was absolutely laugh out loud, hysterical. The performances were amazing. The dynamic between Christopher Walken and Colin Farrell and uh, Sam Rockwell was out of control. Like I want to see more more movies with these th- these three characters. Yes, and especially just, Rockwell's character. I just want to see him in movies, pretty much every comedy. I just yeah. want him to have to be there, yeah. just being the person that just complete goof off. Yeah, I mean this is a. I remember last week I said that it looked like it was one of those '90s Pulp Fiction clones. And it, it does feel like that to me, but it's done very well, so it's not a, a bad thing in this case. It is kind of chaotic and frantic, and there's many different things that are happening all at once, but it, it all works. It works really good. Yeah, works really well together. And maybe one of the best performances I've seen walking in in quite a long time, even though at this point in his career, he's just playing himself. Yes, that's what I love. And sometimes it almost seems like he's not playing himself. He's doing an imitation of himself. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically just a caricature of himself, which I was finding to be somewhat tiresome, but in this... He just has such a personality in this movie that it just worked. And he was awesome. Yes. And I just, I love the scene, you know, from the trailer where he won't put his hands up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that pretty much sums up that character. He's just, he's a badass. He's awesome. And, and he how, wears... how angry he gets at the thought of getting cops involved. And he, and he wears a cravat. So <laughs> Yes. And once you find out why he wears the cravat, Lord have mercy. Yeah. He is a badass. Yeah, this this movie is uber violent too, which kind of threw me for it kind of surprised me because the violence is so over the top and that kind of mixed in with the comedy is something that I really enjoy. Yes. And it, it Half the time, the violence comes in the midst of the comedy. Right. And just sort of just catches you off guard. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, there are a lot of surprises. The There were several scenes where you're just like, I can't believe I just saw that happen. Like, did that person's head just get sawed off? <laughs> I mean, just over the top, gruesome, bloody violence uh, yes. in the midst of this kind of goofy madcap adventure that's (laughs) happening uh it's definitely madcap yeah i mean things happen for really no reason and 
but but at the same time it just kind of plays into the whole uh meta structure of this film and and it i think it is to say dare i say the word meta but oh no this is a meta film when you think about it it's a movie called Seven Psychopaths about a guy writing a screenplay called Seven Psychopaths that it just happens to play out, you know, what we're seeing. I mean, this is a made-up film. Yeah, I mean, it's even open-ended at the end. Was it all in his head? Right. It's just him writing a script and sort of thinking this stuff out? Who knows? And that's that's one thing that I, I really love the those kinds of films, like Adaptation, Cabin in the Woods... Uh, I don't know, eight and a half. Yeah, it's great. And just essentially, you know, he has nothing written. He has a title, Seven Psychopaths, but he can't even come up with Seven Psychopaths. <laughs> the list is, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he's just pulling things from here and there, mostly because he has a drinking problem and can't remember that a lot of these are stories that he's heard elsewhere. And just, just the fact that he gets two, one of them's based off of a person that's actually in real life killing people, the, the Jack of Diamonds killer. And then the second one is just a, the Quaker psychopath, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Who is played by Harry Dean Stanton, by the way, who I'm a big fan of. Yes, Harry Dean Stanton is awesome. And he does a great job as the Quaker psychopath. And I don't even think he has any lines. He just, yeah. no, he just, just follows him. He's just a badass. And that, that's the other thing that happens in this movie. There's a lot of cutaways and a lot of random, uh, almost dreamlike or fantasy scenes that happen where there's all these side stories that are playing out. Yeah. And I think that it really, for the most part, I think it really works. One of the big, uh, not big, but one quibble I have is just the fact that, you know, they in the in the trailer and in all the marketing material, they number out these people and they don't even match what it actually is in the movie. Yeah. And uh, there's certain people, certain of, of the psychopaths, I can understand because that would be giving away details like spoilers, but... To name, like, the girlfriends as each a psychopath. I think that that, for me, when I was seeing the trailers, I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. And it, I, I was I was sort of caught off guard. They, they, they use the C word a lot in this movie. Oh, yeah. They enjoy, yeah. They enjoy the C word. And that, that all plays into the conversation between uh, Christopher Walken and Colin Farrell about how he portrays women in his scripts and stuff. Yeah. And I, and I was thinking about it like, cause the, the women in this movie have almost no role. Like their role is all like, like for instance, Abby Cornish plays Colin Farrell's girlfriend. First of all, she's barely in it at all. Yeah. And really her only purpose is to drive him into a deeper alcoholic depression <laughs> than, than he was already in before. Yes. And just have, to be there so Sam Rockwell can call her names. Right. And talk right. about how much he hates her. Yeah. And, and I love how she she made an appearance in the the fake finale or the fantasy finale. I'm trying not to spoil it, but... Yeah. But, no, there is... Um, 
just a couple of things before we go into that. I just wanted to say that to me it was the funniest film I saw this year. I mean, I was laughing the entire time. Uh, it was one of the best times I've had at a film in a long time. Like, I just didn't want it to end. I just yeah, wanted yeah. this movie to go on forever. Yes. And <clears throat> the scene that you're talking about, you know, Sam Rockwell ends up, uh, you know, Colin Farrell asks him, you know, will you help me write this movie? And then Christopher Walken sort of gets thrown in, which that scene is funny in and of itself, of how they discuss that and how uh, Rockwell gets so upset that he asks Walken to be a part of it as well. But there's a scene, you know, they're out in the desert and he's going through, Sam Rockwell's going through his script for the final shootout, the crazy ending. And then, you know, like we said, there's there's cutaways to like the film itself, which is just so ridiculous what he wants it to be. And I was just laughing the entire time through that that entire scene. I love how Walken... It popped up out of the casket with the duel with the duelies, it just started blasting everybody, and and the the Vietnamese man, the Viet Cong. Uh, mm-hmm. That was uh, that was only one maybe minor thing, and I didn't necessarily think that that storyline of the, the Vietnamese guy had to be in it. Yeah, I think that, yeah. I think I, it was I, a, that was my major quibble as well. I, I think didn't it was like a... that whole every single time that it went in that direction. I was just like, ah, oh, get back, get back to the movie. Yeah, because that one really had no connection to to anything else. It was just kind of there, and I I did just I felt like it was a strong enough plot on its own without having that added in, especially with the whole Tom Waits storyline. I mean, yeah. once once you get into it, I mean, there's like. There's so many things happening, which is one thing that I really liked about the movie is the fact that each each character, even the minor characters, had their own backstory, and you knew these characters. Even the Tom Waits guy, who is he's he's barely in it at all, but he just kind of pops up, and there he is, and we get to know him. Yeah, and I I, I did enjoy his scene at the very end after the oh, yeah. credits. It was awesome. Yes, <laughs> that was. Uh... But yeah, the the only thing that I saw with the Buddhist or the Vietnamese character, I think, was just their way of trying to explain um, what one of the other characters does in the movie. Yes. Yeah, you know, and it, like him trying to help. But I was worried when they when they were doing that, and you know, Christopher Walken sort of explaining how to tie that up, and I was like, oh, I hope they don't go for sap. But right after he's done finished that, they make that very clear that they were not going for sap. No, this is not a sappy, <laughs> sentimental movie. This is balls to the wall. This is a dark comedy. And when they say that they're psychopaths, they're not They're not kidding. These are... They do some pretty horrible things in this movie. Yes. And which is one thing that I thought was great, because there were no reservations. I mean, they they went places that I did not think that they would go. In this movie. Yeah. Uh, there are some very shocking death scenes. There is some extremely gruesome kills. I mean, like, horror movie quality kills here, people. Um, but I loved it. I was just so surprised at everything. And, and it was 
Great, and I want to get back to what I was saying earlier about the Oscars. This is a movie that should be that should at least see Sam Rockwell nominated for an Oscar. But I can guarantee you 100% that they're not even going to look at this. No, they're not. And it, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Sam Rockwell. I just think he's amazing. And he's absolutely hilarious in this movie. I mean, yeah, I've great. always thought of him as somewhat funny. You know, I've seen him in some comedies. But good Lord. Like I said, he's absolutely hilarious. He drives like almost the entire film. Mm-hmm. If I think it, if I think about it, if Sam Rockwell wasn't in it, I don't think it would have been as good. No, I don't either. He he's the backbone of the film. Yeah. If you think about and just it, the way him and Walken like their chemistry and how they react to each other, it's just I I just I could have watched that for like 3 hours. Just those two. I think in the end Sam Rockwell's the glue that that holds this whole crazy story together because he's he's the the link mm-hmm. with with all the characters. He's like the major link. Like even though they kind of bill it as Colin Farrell being the main character and yes, it's about him writing this screenplay, none of this would happen without Sam Rockwell. Yeah. I mean, Colin Farrell is essentially just there to react to every all the craziness around him. Right, because... So essentially the straight man. Yeah, and just exactly. everyone's crazy around him, and it's just how he's trying to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, he is not one of the psychopaths, which I think should be noted. But I, this is a film that, when it was over, and I was driving home, I, like, when I got home, I wanted to see it again. Like, if I yeah. had a DVD, or if it was on like Amazon or something, I would have sat down and watched it again, like right mm-hmm. away. Yeah, it was it was great. I loved it. Loved it. Good times. Highly recommend that one. And um, would, would you talk to, uh, who reviewed it again? Was it da- Daniel? Daniel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he gave it, what, a nine and a half? Yeah, yeah. We have the review up on our site. Daniel wrote the review. Good review. Uh, he gave it a nine and a half. We actually went to the same screening and he was loving it so did he, did you know that he was there yeah i knew he was there uh did you sit with him <laughs> no he was there with a with a group of people gotcha all right so what do you give in seven psychopaths out of ten? Ooh, i'd probably give it i'd probably give it eight and a half i'm gonna give it an eight gonna go eight if it was possible i'd say 0.25 <laughs> That's, we should do that. We should have a ridiculous rating system from now on. <laughs> well, we, remember we can I, rate movies like seven point four three two. I don't remember who it was, but one when we got one of the contributors, I don't know if it was Todd or Chad or whoever it was. The first review they sent me, it was like a seven point two five, and I was like, we're not doing those. <laughs> I think out of ten, it's. I think it's almost too much out of ten. Like because I think about it, if we rated it on like Ebert's scale of four stars, there wouldn't be as much pressure because you could give out four out of fours more easily than you could ten out of tens. I think. Yeah, and that's that's why I like the ten. Right, because it's a more precise. Yeah, I have a very structured system 
to what my numbers mean. You know, there's movies that are meh, but they were, they, you know, they were enjoyable enough. Like, I didn't hate watching the film. And those are usually, you know, like sixes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. So, so that's a, an eight and a half and an eight for me and a nine and a half on the site for Seven Psychopaths. So check that out. Please go to the theater and see it. You will not be disappointed. It's great. Probably one of the best movies of the year. Yes, easily. Definitely the uh, best comedy, I thought. Let's talk about another movie that may be going on my list of best of the year, and that's Ben Affleck's Argo. This is the true story. It stars Ben Affleck, Brian Cranston, John Goodman, um, <clears throat> Alan Arkin is in it, uh, Victor Garber, Tate Donovan, good number of people in this. Ivanek. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in it again. <laughs> And he's everywhere. He's taking the world by storm. He's like the next Brit Marling. Yeah, there you go. Well, he he's always been in tons. Of, I mean, he was in um, Born, the new Born movie. He was in. That. Yeah, he always he's, seems to play a doctor. He's always he's in a ton of stuff or a lawyer. He plays a lawyer a lot. I feel. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the synopsis for Argo says as the Iranian. Revolution reaches a boiling point. A CIA exfiltration specialist concocts a risky plan to free six Americans who have found shelter at the home of the Canadian ambassador. Let me just start off by saying, yes, I love this movie. Holy shit, was it tense for me, at least. Yeah. This is a suspenseful movie. And I found it to be extremely well made and... I loved it. What did yeah, you? What did I, you I do? loved it as well. I thought it had, it was a really nice blend, uh, balance of, you know, the, him trying to get him out of there and the, that entire tense situation and, you know, giving you some of uh, like the historical aspects of the entire thing, and then you know some of the more uh, light sort of, you know, comedic Hollywood, moments with John yeah. Goodman and. Alan Arkin, you know, trying to get this fake movie made. And just, I thought it was perfectly done. Just everything was mixed. There's just the right amount of everything. Right, yeah. There's, there is a good bit of humor in it, but at the same time, there's this kind of undertone that, yeah, we're doing something that's completely outrageous, but there's six people's lives at stake here. And everything in the movie felt very real. Like, yeah. the 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 stakes felt very high and i thought that the way that it was shot the cinematography looked incredible it looked like this is something i mean it looked like they were in the 70s or late 70s early 80s yeah especially the like the production design yeah it just it looked great and i don't know if did you see at the end credits the side-by-side shots Yes, holy shit. Scoot oh, McNary looked exactly like the guy he played. They all looked... I mean, they they captured... Not only the, the characters looked like their real counterparts, but a lot of the scenes that they shot... I mean, like the Hollywood sign and just all the small things that took place. I mean, you could tell that Ben Affleck really did his homework on this. Yeah. Because it looked incredible it's like a documentary and it's one of those stories where it's just 
it's just so ridiculous that you can't believe that this is this happened. Like this is something that yes. was real. This they did this. <laughs> they did this. Yeah, and it's like that just blows my mind. That I this think was need... an idea. This was thrown out as an idea to get six host- or six people out of Iran. And they actually picked it. They actually yeah. went with it. <laughs> that was the best worst idea they had. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that we need more movies like this because this this makes the American government look pretty badass <laughs> to build. And it, yeah, and it's hilarious because you're thinking of how ridiculous the idea is. And when they show the meeting where they throw out their first idea and you hear oh, yeah. that one, yeah, you automatically go, oh, shit, the fake movie idea is a lot better. <laughs> yeah fucking bicycles are you kidding me yeah they (laughs) were shipping them bicycles yeah they cycled a turkey 300 miles best of luck (laughs) in winter (laughs) and if they don't know how to ride bicycles they're gonna send someone in to teach them yeah like where are they gonna do that just outside the ambassador's house like no one's gonna be like why the what what's going on over here why are grown men being taught how to ride a bicycle (laughs) Uh, you know what would have been funny if they actually tried that but it didn't work like they couldn't like one or two people just couldn't figure out how to ride the bikes and they showed that in Argo like them failing like in that little courtyard in the embassy (laughs) just just, just having like Iranian people standing around like they look American I'm just imagining the red bike the the Canadian ambassador holding the back of the bike and pushing as Tate Donovan sits on the bike. There you go, 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 go. I'm letting go. It's just like a montage. Oh, the entire man. montage of them and then like a jump and high five when they all finally learn how to do it. That would be, uh, be amazing. Yeah. Well, from what I read, Ben Affleck really stuck to the story on this. Like... As far as I know, it happened very, very much like the movie. Yes, I was, I, yeah, I, I was struck by that. That this, and I, I haven't read like the article or the book or anything. I don't know anything about this story, but it did. The film gave off the feel that Ben Affleck, like you said, did his homework. He really cared about this story. You could tell with the, all the attention to detail with everything. Yeah, and I think that there he was on NPR recently being interviewed for this, and he was just like, you know, really what I wanted to do was just make a good movie, and it just came out. He's like, I know that it sounds ridiculous to to say something that simple, but when you factor in how many people are involved in a film, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that you just want to make something good. Yeah. And I think that this turned out pretty pretty brilliantly and and it certainly solidifies him as being a top-notch director i mean his yeah he's definitely he's one of those guys that to me it seems like directing is what he should be doing like i never really thought much of him as an actor and i didn't really think too much of him when he became a director that's just like oh geez of course he's gonna be a director now but damn he makes some good movies yeah i mean when you when you look 
I pretty much he did Gone Baby Gone in the town before this and I loved both of those movies and the interesting thing was they they all kind of had a different feel to them in a way too like he definitely goes for kind of a gritty realism but man his movies are just great love and another thing that uh, struck me with this movie was the casting i thought the cast was fantastic and it's essentially just a ton of you know a handful of upstarts you know christopher denham from sound of my voice the chris messina scoop mcnary who he looks like he's gonna be huge because yeah. he looks like he gives a great performance in killing them softly, which and he was one of the main reasons I didn't like monsters. At yeah, all. I, know. I thought he was terrible, but he's showing that he's not. Did you he, notice the the guy from Primer was in this too? Oh, that's right. He that's who that was. Yeah, he had a I beard was, in this. Yeah, I was wondering who the hell that guy was. He looks so familiar. That's yep. right. I forgot that he was in this film. And he, I never, I mean, he's, I've only seen him in Primer, but, you know, he didn't do a bad job either. Mm-mm. So, great cast. And not only did they were able to put out good performances from the cast, but like we said before, they looked exactly like the the real life people that they were portraying. Yes. Like Victor, <laughs> like, uh, exactly like him. Oh, yeah. Everybody did. It was crazy. Um, I, I also want to mention, we've been doing a segment on the website called Kickstart Sunday where we promote a Kickstarter project that we like to support and back, and we try to get it our viewers to donate some money to these projects. And last week, we promoted a movie called uh, Science Fiction Land that's coming out. Well, hopefully it will be coming out and it's actually a documentary about the real Argo. Mm. And, and there's more to it than that, but it's about kind of the ma- one of the Hollywood guys that was working on the fake movie. Yeah, which, again, that was crazy, too. That it was the, the character that John Goodman plays. Mm-hmm. To, find, you know, to find out that there's you know, a makeup guy for the Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. And apparently he's done this before, like, you know, Ben Affleck at one point, you know, says he said he, that, oh, he's, yeah, I've used him like four or five times. Yeah. He said he does, did contract work and stuff. And apparently, I, I mean, I don't know what the real story is, but it seemed like Alan Arkin's character knew what was going on, too, because he didn't seem surprised when he, they first met with him either. Yeah. Which, uh, Alan Arkin's character was great. Oh, I, I love, I love Alan Arkin. <laughs> Him and John Goodman, I just... Every scene with them in, I was just happy. Another thing, which I just realized, and I, I thought I knew the one uh, the one Iranian actor. It's uh, Rafi Pitts, who actually... He's a director, actor-director. He's the guy that directed the Iranian, The Hunter. The mm-hmm. one I want to see. Right, yeah. All right, well, any final thoughts on Argo? Great movie. Great movie. Great movie weekend. Oh, yeah. This was yeah. fantastic. Unlike Seven Psychopaths, I think that we are going to see some Oscar noms 
coming yes. Argo's way. Yeah, this is definitely more uh, more up the uh, Academy's alley. I don't it, think uh, they'll have a problem giving out nominations for this film. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen, it, it kind of had a Munich vibe to it. If you've seen Steven Spielberg's Munich, definitely had that kind of same feel. Although I actually did like this more than Munich. I thought that this was uh, more concise, just had a brisker pace to it. And way more suspenseful. That whole final scene, the climax of this film, I'm just like, are you kidding me? It's just like yeah. one thing after the other. And you're just like, oh my god. When is this going to end? It's nuts. But I loved it. Uh, Alright, out of ten, what do you give an Argo? Mm. I'd probably give this a... Whew, eight, eight and a half? I'm trying to think. I can't... I can't pinpoint it. Give it an eight and a half. I'm gonna give it a nine. Ooh, going nine. I'm going nine on Argo. I did, thought it was. Did Chad review this yet? <laughs> Do we have a Chad review? What did I Chad sent, give it? I sent him a text and I said, "Hey, what's going on with Argo?" I sent you to see it on Friday, and he's like, "I'll have it. I'll have it up on Sunday." So we should have it up today as of recording. So. I don't know, though. <laughs> he liked it. I know that because he texted me back and said it was amazing. All right. Let's go over our predictions from last week. These are Rotten Tomatoes scores. Uh, you, we said Sinister. You said 56. I said 42. Actual 63 on Sinister. Mm. So this, this looks like it's going to be pretty good. I want to ch- check that out. Hopefully we'll have the review up soon for that. Uh, then we said Argo. You said 90. I said 92. Actual 94 on Argo. Some bitch. 94. Some bitch. Seven Psychopaths. You said 82. I said 72. Actual 83. Ooh. Almost got that one. Yeah. And finally, we have Here Comes the Boom. You said 30. Yes. I said 41. Actual 44. Some talk that that's again what I said. Great movie weekend. Kidding yeah. me? Here comes the boom. Seven <laughs> psychopaths and Argo. Oh, like all uh, also essentially in the same pantheon. Also that that came out this week. We didn't predict it. Cloud Atlas, or yeah, Cloud Atlas Part Two. Atlas Shrugged Part Two. Zero percent. <laughs> yes. Good. Uh, we didn't even bother with that one. No, because it's not a real movie. No, I don't think it is a real movie. <laughs> uh, next week we have Holy Motors. This, I'm sure, is going to get a limited release, although uh, I'm praying that it will come out where I'm at. What do you think on Holy Motors? Oh, I think this is going to be an in-betweener. Say something like 64. I'm going to say a... I'm going to say 69 on that one. Uh, Paranormal Activity 4. Now, <clears throat> now, if we did this last year for Paranormal Activity 3, I probably would have said something like 20. And I would have been way off because the third one ended up getting like, I don't know what it got, but it was like probably an 80-something. So for Paranormal Activity 4, I'm going to say... 62. 62. I'm going to go 60, 67. And 
Then we have Alex Cross, or as I like to call it, Tyler Perry's Alex Cross. <laughs> uh, Tyler Perry in Tyler Perry's Alex Cross. What do you think on this? As one? Tyler Perry. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great if they just they like the first line they call him Alex Cross, and he's like, "No, call me Tyler Perry." And then the rest of the movie, they just call him Tyler Perry instead. Yeah. I'm down. With, I'm down with that. <laughs> That'd be great. That's what I want. Uh, he actually doesn't look too bad in this, which is surprising. But the movie does look terrible. I'm gonna say like a forty-four. Yeah. Here's the thing about Tyler Perry. I don't think he is necessarily a bad actor. He was actually in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movie, and. He wasn't bad, and I mean, he didn't have a big part, but he had some lines, and he wasn't bad. Yeah. So, I I think that he can act. It's just those Medea movies are just so horrible. Um, but I don't think Alex Cross looks good either. No. And if I remember correctly, the the other Alex Cross movies, like uh, it was a Long Came a Spider, and what was the other one? Kiss the Girls? Was that the other one? Is one of those. But Morgan Freeman used to be the character of Alex Cross. Yeah. And this one looks like it's much more action-oriented. And I don't think it looks very good either, so I'm going to say uh, 40. All right, and then finally we have The Sessions. This is with Helen Hunt and... Um, why is his name escaping me right now? We're, but we're big fans of him. The Sessions. The Sessions. Oh, yeah, this is... What's it's, Helen, it's Helen Hunt and... John Hawks. Yes. Big John Hawks and William H. Macy. Yeah. This is... John Hawks is definitely getting an Oscar nom for this movie. I've been hearing really great things, so... He's probably going to win the Oscar, I would imagine. This is straight up again. Right down the Academy's alley. I'm going to say 82 on this one. I'm going to go 80, uh, 88. 88, okay. I heard uh, Helen Hunt goes full frontal in it, so. Wow. <laughs> Ryan's going to be rushing out to see that one. The Sessions. Uh, I'm, I'm slightly interested in it. I don't, I don't usually like movies about disabled people, though. Yeah, I just they always bring me down. Like um, Diving Bell and the Butterfly, I felt was like the most depressing movie I've ever seen. Uh, all right, let's talk about some DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for October sixteenth, two thousand twelve. First up, we have Airborne, which is a crappy horror movie. Um, I do not recommend this one, so go ahead and skip so it. So, do you recommend that one? Nope. Then we have Chernobyl Diaries. This is another crappy horror movie. Skip it, please. Then we have, we're just plugging right along here. Then we have That's My Boy. This is a shitty Adam Sandler movie. Please skip that one. <laughs> and then we have Moonrise Kingdom, the Wes Anderson movie. This should not be skipped. This should be purchased. This should be watched. It should yes. be purchased and watched. Well, the only re- I'm daily. Not, I don't know. I'm not purchasing it because I have a strong feeling that it's going to end up on Criterion. And, You're waiting uh, for Sapphire series, and I don't want—I don't want to get it on Blu-ray and then have the Criterion come out in a month. Sapphire series, uh, the you. Sapphire series, yeah. It's gonna be chock full of Sapphire series exclusives, you know. Yeah, 
so sticks I to might, what they're known for. I might recommend holding off on purchasing it, but definitely rent it if you haven't seen it yet, because it's definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. Easily. And Easily. then we have Turn Me On, Damn It. This is, uh, you know, I can't even remember what this Norwegian, I think. I saw Sounds this movie. Right. I saw it. I can't remember. Swedish. It's either say, Swedish. And... Say Scandinavian, because then that, that covers all your bases. Yeah, there you go. This was actually a pretty good movie. It's a, sort of a teenage sex comedy about a girl. Um, it's a foreign film, so that probably alienates a large portion of the viewing audience. And then it's about a girl and having girl problems, so that alienates probably a, another large portion of the audience. So not a lot of people, I think, will like this, but I, I found it to be comical and whimsical. And the only other one I have here is The Forgiveness of Blood on Criterion. Now, have you have you seen this movie? I have not. I'm slightly interested in this film. Yeah, I haven't. I've seen this, like, available for a while, and I always kind of think about watching it, but then I just never do. Is this, um, this Iranian? No, this is actually, this is an American director, Joshua Marston, and... Uh, his Oscar-nominated movie, Maria Full Grace, was about, you know, a Colombian woman. And now this one is set in Albania. So he's like an American director, but works in other countries. Okay, interesting. Uh, either way, this looks like it could be pretty good. So I might want to give that a poke. Yeah, check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to see this one. Uh, do you have any, any other DVDs? Madagascar 3. Ugh. How could I forget Madagascar 3? <laughs> Come on, wanted. man. I played a can. Yes, it God. Yes, it yes, Get it your did. shit together, Adam. Mm. This is critically acclaimed Madagascar 3. Mm. Mm-hmm. In you competition. Know, it, uh, Madagascar 3, I'd say skip that one. Yeah, unless you have kids. Then I can understand. No, I mean, I'm just thinking about if I had kids and I would still skip it. Mm-hmm. You have your kids watch The Forgiveness of Blood instead? Yeah. That's what I would do. My kids are going to watch... Trying to get the... cultured. <laughs> no, I'm getting I'm getting the, the freaking Battle Royale collection. Uh, I have another one. 2016 Obama's America comes out. Man, that was a quick turnaround. You're damn right it was. <laughs> they, they jump be... on top of that. They wanted to get that out before the election. Exactly. Skip that, please. Oh, it's just, it's, it's, that movie is just complete garbage. It's all lies. Lies, half-truths, and... Yeah, again, I hate it when they try to pass those off as being documentaries. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right, well, I think that wraps things up. It does it. Uh, For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net, and we want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net. Call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. And also, our Haneke Roundtable is now up. So if you subscribe to the feed, you should already have it. But What are you doing, Adam? <laughs> yeah, it, I released it. We said, we said it was going to be a lost episode, but... I went ahead and released it, so give that a listen if you're interested in hearing our thoughts on the work of Michael Haneke, 
And if you're not, you go fuck yourself. <laughs> Argo, fuck yourself. Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, Filmpulse.net. My name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan watches a movie. We have him watch Paranormal Incident. Yes. Man, I had a Jimmy John sub for lunch. Turn just reg- regular tuna. Just and it just f- completely fucking wrecked me. <laughs> God almighty. Uh, All right. <clears throat>